Welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Ernest. Each episode is designed for administrators, teachers, and others in the international school world to be able to share stories, experiences, and innovative ideas that are taking place around the world. Additionally, I hope to be able to share some personal stories of success and some struggles that I've faced along the way. From time to time, I hope to have some special guests who will also be able to share their stories. My goal for each episode is to create an ongoing discussion about how we as educators can create meaningful growth experiences for international school communities. The list for each episode will consist of three parts, the warm up, the main event, and the cool down. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. All right, team, bring it in. Glad you're here. It's time to do the warm up. There's a fairly famous graphic online about the yearly cycle that international educators face. This roller coaster ride starts in August with new teachers arriving, but by October, people are beginning to adjust to a new school. But some are struggling with decisions about whether to stay or to move on to another school. Soon after that, announcements, recruiting, celebrations, farewells, and saying goodbye to friends are a yearly struggle for those in the international education world. This cycle has so many rewarding highs, and it has some seriously stressful lows. I feel like I also need to point out that I haven't even mentioned teaching and learning and the added stress that comes with school-related issues cultural issues, or individual personal circumstances that educators encounter. And just when you feel like you're able to handle all of those things, something completely out of your control happens. In today's episode, I think it's timely. Today's episode is all about taking care of yourself during times of difficulty. Today's episode is about being able to recognize times when we are struggling and need support it's also about being able to be a support for others. Hey, it's game time. This is what you came here for. This is the main event. Hey team, welcome to the main event of the Leading International School Teams podcast. Uh, we are here today with Michelle Curley, who's joining us from Abu Dhabi. How are you, Michelle? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for uh, joining the podcast. And today we're really going to focus in on mental health. Um, mental health that not only deals with just uh, us as teachers, but students, admin, um, everyone in our community. Uh, there are times where Mental health is a, is a thing that we're either personally dealing with or people we know, people we work with are, are dealing with. And Michelle, before we jump full on in, I want you to kind of give some of our listeners a chance to understand your journey in uh, international education. Where have you worked? What have you done? Um, and how, how have you come to join the podcast as a, a mental health expert? Okay, well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'm definitely a mental <laughs> health advocate. Um, so a little background about myself. I started off as a French immersion teacher in northern Canada, where I taught for 10 years, uh, at which point um, my husband and family decided we would move abroad to try it out for two years. 
Um, our first experience was at the International School of Moshi Arusha campus in Tanzania. Um, our two years quickly delved into four years, um, at which point we decided that we needed a new adventure and we moved on to the American International School DACA, where I met you, um, where uh, we worked for nine years. I was mostly in the classroom as, um, as a high school and middle school French teacher, but I also, in the last two years of my experience there, um, became the middle school dean of students. So I was seeing um, students on a very different basis than I was in the classroom. Um, I'm now in my second year at the American Community School of Abu Dhabi, uh, where I am still in the classroom. I'm not in an administrative role anymore. I'm, I'm back um, as a full-time classroom teacher teaching French. But due to some personal experiences in the past several years, um, I've come to really uh, notice the keen importance and um, lack of information that maybe is out there for mental health uh, for both our students and for our teachers, colleagues, and uh, families. Um, I've, I've been taking some, some courses and things to um, improve my own knowledge and really am trying to generate the conversation uh, that is so needed in so many of our communities. You uh, you mentioned earlier in a in a conversation we had that you are now a certified mental uh, health first aid attendant and an adolescent mental health uh, first aid attendant. Uh, this is where I was using the word expert because um, I don't even have any idea what either one of those things are. Um, so okay. can you maybe give us an understanding of uh, what is a certified first aid attendant? Absolutely. So uh, I want to make a quick clarification that. Um, I do not have a counseling background and having okay. the certifi certifications that I do have does not give me um, the um, information and training that I need that my colleagues as counselors have. So I sure. always um, preempt any conversation I have with people with that because um, mm -hmm. just as, just as uh, a person who's doing physical first aid might take, uh, might might discover what's wrong with a person, but they go on to the professional who knows how to deal with it. Sure. So the same idea applies to the mental health first aid. Um, it is um, either a 12 or 16 hour class, depending on whether you're working with the adults or the, or the adolescent topic. Um, it is a course that was originated in Australia in 2003 and is now, I believe, in over 50 different countries. And uh, what, the, what the coursework contains is general and country-specific information regarding mental health. Um, it gives an overview of mental health problems. It identifies risk factors and intervention for crises, and also provides helpful resources that are country-specific. And that's very, very important, I think, in the training. Um, the uh, mental health problems that it focuses on are depression, anxiety, eating disorders, psychoses, substance abuse, and then there's also um, an additional topic of self-harm for adolescents. Mm. Uh, so within that, uh, is this something that you took on as just your own uh, personal professional development? Is this something that uh, the school you're working with uh, offered as an option for professional development? How did you kind of move into um, taking this certification on? Great. Um, so our uh, PTA actually uh, made an announcement at a mental health awareness evening that I was at that they would be sponsoring for teachers to go and get um, the training. Um, I had been experiencing some difficulties within my family with mental health 
and, and my school had been very supportive up until then. And I wanted to take the opportunity to learn more and give back to the community that's been so helpful for me. Sure, that's awesome. And you, you mentioned that um, it's country specific um, and some of the yes. training that you're uh, involved in there. If you were to move to uh, another country, let's say you moved from the UAE um, to France, um, would you have mm-hmm. to be recertified in France or does some of your certification carry over or are you even aware of maybe those situations? Right. What I believe is that the certification is the same. It's just that the, um, the booklet that you were provided with has specific resources in it for the country. Sure. And so um, it would, I think, be uh, you know, a matter of perhaps contacting the organization to seeing if you could get copies of the resources that are, are available locally. Um, sure. So, for example, here in the in the UAE, um, the discussion of mental health is actually quite new in this country, and it's only recently, in fact, that the laws are changing regarding mental health. Um, until I believe it's only maybe within the last two or three years, if a person were to attempt suicide, um, you could be imprisoned or receive mm. a fine. And sure. so, those are important things to know. And now that the, um, the UAE is changing their laws and becoming much more open to discussing this, um, this epidemic that's really happening in so many countries, uh, it's important to know where you can seek the appropriate assistance so that people feel that they are able to do that. Sure. It's, it's uh, really interesting to me that your, your school is very uh, forward thinking in the sense that uh, we're going to provide this for our staff. Um, we understand that we're currently in a country that uh, has some issues with this in the past, um, but they're also kind of changing how they're addressing it. And the school is kind of trying to get ahead of that a little bit. Like, yeah. how are we as a school going to deal with this and how are we going to support our students? Um, that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that kind of the feeling that you also have? That, that's correct. We are trying to make headways. We've, we've been very fortunate um, this year to be able to hire a, uh, an educational psychologist to join our school who we didn't have before. I know we were fortunate to have one in DACA. Um, all of those steps are just one, one more way to advance um, the destigmatization of mental health and to provide better services for anyone in our community, really students, faculty, parents families because when someone is suffering from a mental illness or from poor mental health it doesn't just affect the individual it definitely impacts so many people around them sure and and from that i want to jump to to two things one um i asked you earlier uh before we started recording um what are some or what's the type of leader um that you are today what's the type of leader that you feel like you want to be and you mentioned that um you may not see yourself as a leader in air quotes um, but you said if there was like an Academy Award um, for like best supporting role, uh, that that's mm-hmm. where you feel like you would be. And um, I agree yeah. with that. But I also seen Michelle do some really like um, up in front forward things, um, not just the behind the scenes supporting role. Uh, but but I do feel like this is kind of what you're mentioning here, like being a mental health first aid attendant uh, in the sense that you are supporting people and you are giving them a chance to kind of be their best self. Um, in whatever yeah. situation that they're in. Um, and then another thing that I mentioned in the warm-up uh, was this very famous graphic about um, international teaching and families and how we move around the world and how every year it's the same uh, with people coming, people going, recruiting, farewells, announcements. And uh, a lot of that can really take a toll on people. 
um, as we move around and new people come in and we have old friends that we've known for a long time, they decide to move on or we decide to move on. Um, and some of that also affects our mental health, um, not just for teachers, but also for students. Um, I want to jump into that graphic, but I'd love yes. for us to take a quick break, Michelle. Um, okay. And we'll talk about that graphic. And then we'll also talk about some ways that we feel like teachers and students can take care of their own mental health. Sounds great. All right, let's go to the halftime. Hey team, it's halftime. And I want to say that I am excited that you're taking time to join us on the Leading International School Teams podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on the web at leadinginternationalschoolteams.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into the second half. Hey team, welcome back. Um, just before the break, we were talking about this very famous graphic that is a, a year calendar of international teachers or families. And um, definitely our transient lifestyle provides some obstacles for us, but it, there's just some obstacles in general um, with being in international schools. And as much as we try to share stories of success, we do need to touch on some of the struggles um, of what international teachers or international families go through. Um, I want to give Michelle just a chance to kind of jump in uh, to some of the obstacles that teachers or families in the international world face. Um, and then we'll move into what are some of the solutions that teachers can do for taking care of their own mental health. All right. Well, um, as you mentioned, Caleb, certainly having, um, having revolving doors, so to speak, of friends or colleagues that are moving uh, in and out of the school can be very impactful. It can cause people to... Um, either develop very, very strong relationships and then have a sense of mourning or loss when people leave, mm. or it can actually have the reverse where people may not want to engage as much because what's the point? Somebody's going to just leave anyways. Why should sure. I invest my time in a relationship that's not going to continue? Um, there's also the adjustment of, of settling into a new country with new new languages, new cultures, new, uh, new laws that you need to become familiar, new, new expectations of the school. Um, I, I know that there's a, a pretty famous list of the top 10 things that cause stress or whatever, and, and sure. you know, moving, moving countries um, or starting a new job or any of those things are all amongst those. And so it can be very, very hard, um, not just on the individual, but as I said before, on the entire family. Sure. Um, depending on the reason why a person has has changed jobs can also be um, impactful. Perhaps not the entire family wanted to move to the new place or mm. uh, perhaps the opportunities that are afforded are are not the same as, as what they were expecting. Um, what happens when people uh, develop a mental health uh, disorder is that there's many other obstacles as well, such as um, the personal or cultural stigma to seek out assistance there's um, access to internationally trained clinicians can be a real challenge in many of our countries, sure. even in the well-developed countries. Um, when you do have access, it can be extremely um, costly. For example, I know uh, the clinic that is close to our house um, for a one hour session, it costs upwards of 300 US dollars. Mm. Many times that's not uh, covered within your insurance plan or is only very limitedly covered. Sure. Also, um, as a teacher, during my teacher training, certainly there was very little training that I received 
regarding how to deal with transitions for students or for myself or how to deal with a mental health issue that might arise within my colleagues or my students. Mm. Um, and, and unfortunately, what often happens is that we, we're very fortunate to have lots of um, counselors within our schools, but sometimes the academics takes a greater focus and greater amount of time than our social emotional learning. And that becomes difficult um, to um, get that conversation going sometimes. And as I said, it, it sometimes is reflected because we don't have that training. And we sure. don't have that necessarily that uh, desire to have the difficult conversations. So, so within that and within schools, you're talking about like uh, counselors. Um, yes. You know, often we have like counselors for the elementary school or the middle school or the high school. Um, mm -hmm. As a teacher, I mean, there are times where I feel like I need to talk to somebody, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and knowing that my counselor's door, whether it's in my division or another division in the school is open, um, is, is an important thing. And, and I've been able to find that person from time to time here as a school. Um, I would mm -hmm. imagine uh, that that is uh, someone who needs to talk to someone and recognizes they need to talk to someone would be a step along the way of uh, moving to a better situation or a better area of mental health. But sometimes there are people who are reluctant to do so. Um, and so what are some strategies that you can kind of uh, speak about uh, to kind of overcome some of these obstacles of our transient lifestyle or our, you know, difficult workplaces, um, mm -hmm. or even like relationships among staff members that may be difficult. Um, what are some strategies that we can kind of put in place that help us um, take care of our mental health in those situations? I think one thing is if you see uh, someone who you think is struggling, stop and take the time to ask them and like really ask them how they're doing. And mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a hashtag that goes around, ask twice. So many times uh, when someone asks somebody how they are, they'll just respond with, oh, I'm fine. Sure. Well, maybe dig a little bit deeper. Are they really fine? You know, go with your gut instinct on, on how that person might be feeling. I, it really I just like, sorry, Michelle, I was going to jump in there. I, I like that ask twice thing because um, in the hallway all of the time, uh, we walk past some people and we don't even stop. We're like, how's it going? Good. You know, and you just keep moving. Um, and yeah. then you don't even know if they're good or not good or maybe i didn't even pay attention to what they were saying i just greeted them because the how's it going was a very natural thing but but the stopping and asking twice i i like that for sure yeah and, and it goes i think to developing a deeper relationship whether it's with our students or our colleagues just taking that moment to to really assess how a person is doing um and reaching out and really listening to what they're saying or what they're not saying Sometimes their body language is telling you something that's sure. very different than what their words are saying. Sure. Um, one thing I appreciated with my administration when, when our family was going through a difficult situation is, is the fact that several people reached out to me directly and offered to take something off my plate. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't at the time feel like there could be something taken off my plate, but just having someone say, let me do this for you so you don't have to worry about it. Mm. was great because it's something I would never have asked for myself. Um, so I think volunteering to do something, even if it's as small as let me just take on your duty for this week. You don't mm. need to do that. Get, you know, take that time to recharge. Um, sure. I think teachers themselves, you know, if, if, as you said, not everybody recognizes the signs, but if you do recognize the signs of, of needing some assistance, finding a trusted colleague, because it just takes one that you can connect with. 
um, to really have a deep discussion. Uh, I also think finding activities and people outside of your work can be very helpful okay. um, in, in a lot of communities. Um, all of your work and social relationships are pretty much bound by the walls of your school. Just getting mm -hmm. out and having something else to talk about uh, can be very helpful to, to get, you know, have a different point of view perhaps, or just take a little mental break from, from whatever the, the stressors might be that uh, could be from school. Um, taking a risk and being vulnerable, I've found has also been good. Uh, there, there have been days when I've said to my students, you know what, I, today is not my day. Today, I'm really struggling mm -hmm. today. And um, I, I, I teach older students, but they've really respected that. Um, I had a, we had a mental health awareness week where I spoke and I expressed that I've, I've struggled sometimes myself. And it was very interesting because I had a student come up to me afterwards and say, wow, I didn't realize that. And I said, well, no, because I hadn't told you. And she said, it makes me feel like I know you so much better. And, and that, that person now stops. And like, and when I ask how they're doing, they stop and ask, well, how are you? You know, and they, and it's, it's again, developing those deeper relationships and really caring for the person as an individual and seeing them as beyond just a teacher or just a student. I, I think linking that to something that you mentioned earlier, as far as like ACS, taking the time to address this. Um, mm -hmm. And by taking the time to address it, it, it became a normal part of vocabulary uh, mm -hmm. within the school. So that whenever you were able to kind of sit there and just be real to say, hey, you know, t today is, is not a good day for me, um, that students were able to understand the place you were coming from. Um, mm -hmm. And because they had also been incorporated in what would become like normal vocabulary or uh, normal signs and how to recognize these things and a part of their own health and wellness, um, mm -hmm. they were able to kind of be there with you and say, all right, we, we got you today. Um, yeah. And you kind of said very similar things about your colleagues. And I think that's the importance about, um, you know, a school taking this on and addressing this as this does take place here. Um, we're not immune from this just because we live in a little bubble. Um, and as nope. a matter of fact, because we live in a little bubble sometimes, perhaps um, th this kind of gets fueled a little bit more. Uh, but the idea that the school is taking it on and it made it a normal thing uh, is super important, I think. Absolutely. And I think there are other ways that um, we as a community can further deepen our understanding of uh, both mental health and mental illness. Um, there are online support groups. There are um, uh, online courses. The, uh, my PLT is currently doing one um, through the University of British Columbia open online courses. Uh, it's called Learn Mental Health Literacy, and there's also Teach Mental Health Literacy. They're self-paced courses that are for free that maybe take about eight hours, but they're very informative, and they also provide you with strategies that you can incorporate within your classroom. Um, sometimes there's local events that are happening, and if you don't have a local event, maybe a group of people want to create a local event. I sure, had yeah. some student advocates that created um, a tea and talk episodes for uh, three episodes during one week where they uh, invited in um, some special guests to talk about anxiety and depression um, and we ha it was an open session for students and teachers to come and just hear a little bit more and I think 
it all gets back to um, opening up those conversations and, and, you know, saying it's okay to not be okay. Sure. Uh, you mentioned some ways to kind of uh, deepen our mental health knowledge by um, going online, taking some of these courses. Um, what are some other things that maybe you're reading right now or you're reading right now, Michelle, that have helped you kind of take your understanding of mental health to the next level, whether it's understanding or recognizing uh, mm-hmm. signs and symptoms or whether it's like, how do I really help a colleague when they're exhibiting these signs and symptoms? What are some things you're reading right now? Well, one of my most favorite books I've read in the past year is by Adam Price. It's called He's Not Lazy, Empowering Mm. Your Son to Believe in Himself. And it discusses, um, well, it's it's about boys, but it discusses uh, how boys often opt out of activities Mm. um, because they're of a fear of failure or because of anxiety. And it really made me pause both as a parent and as a professional looking back on some of the students that I've had in my classes or currently have in my class and makes me understand their behaviors so, so much more. Sure. Like maybe the student isn't a bad kid, isn't behaving poorly. Maybe they, maybe this is a really uncomfortable situation for them. And therefore it's easier for me not to do anything in class than it is for me to do something and fail at it. Mm. Um, so that's, that's been a really good one. Another one that I'm currently reading, it's called the stressed years of our lives, helping your kids survive and thrive during their college years. And it talks about the transition, uh, a different type of transition, leaving home and going off to school for the first time. And the, uh, there's certainly a lot of research showing, uh, the amount of, um, students in their first and second year of university, how much anxiety and depression is showing up amongst these kids who are trying to, you know, start their life out on their own. And um, so it's more about recognizing, um, recognizing those symptoms and how you can, as a parent, be supportive to them uh, during that. Even if it means the one, the one chapter is called from recovery to relaunch. um, And another chapter is called adjusting to the boomerang kids. So talking Mm. about those kids that maybe, just aren't quite ready to be out on their own yet sure. and come home for a while. And how do you, how do you manage that? Right. right. Uh, Michelle, I know you've also given me a, a list of other articles and things, and I want to post those uh, on the website. Um, in closing down here, um, if there's that one teacher that just happens to be listening to uh, this podcast today that maybe has been dealing with some things, um, what's, what's a message that you want to get to that particular teacher and then we'll kind of uh, close down our conversation today. I think the biggest thing is that you're not alone. There's mm. the more people that I am open with and talk to about these situations, about the, um, the more I realize how many of us are struggling and sure. how many people need support, um, you know, uh, very often. And, and that it's okay to, to reach out. And it's okay to not be okay, as I said before. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Michelle. Um, I'm definitely going to uh, take some time continuing to read these articles. Um, As we here at AISD, we're dealing with some health, wellness, and sexuality education curriculum. Um, Mm -hmm. We're beginning to kind of mention some of the mental health aspects of the health, wellness, and sociality education Um, but, uh, it seems like ACS has a lot to offer and I appreciate you, uh, taking time to have a conversation with us. Um, and for all of us who are listening, uh, that we can kind of check our own mental health, 
um, but then also be looking for those signs and symptoms of the people that we work with, including students. Absolutely. Hey team, great work out there today. Now, what can we take away? What can we learn from this experience? What can we use from this podcast? Let's do the cool down. At the time of recording this podcast, our international community is experiencing a lot of panic, anxiety, and fear. Each day, there are new travel restrictions, cancellations of events, closures of schools, and everyone's dealing with each piece of daily news in a different way. Facebook groups to support educators with online learning have offered support. Twitter chats, free resources, podcasts, online courses, and other venues are becoming networks for people to support each other. It's really neat to see how people are supporting each other globally. I think that it's excellent, but I also want to mention that we need to be mindful of those who are closest to us. I personally was on the verge of a breakdown a couple of times this past week. Students and teachers could see it on my face, and I was grateful that people were checking on me. My usual go-to answer when people ask me how I'm doing is great or fantastic. But this past week, I couldn't offer those answers. This past week, I had a lot on my mind, and honestly, teaching wasn't very high on that list. Several of my colleagues checked in with me and allowed me to share what I was going through. I was grateful that they listened. They didn't need to offer solutions, they just listened, and that was enough. As more schools go to online learning, checking in with our colleagues might become more difficult. It might be difficult to be able to see the dispositions of students and teachers. Being alone on a computer all day long is going to take a mental toll on individuals and families. I hope that schools are factoring in ways to support people during this time. It's more than just academic lessons that we're going to provide. This is a time to be really intentional about building community. At this time, I don't have the answers about how to do that. But I'm hoping that in the coming days and weeks that more information comes out about how schools are providing social-emotional learning for students and mental support for faculty. I'll keep my eyes open, and when I find things that work, I'll keep you updated. For now... Identify people that you can talk to about how you feel. Ask that person or those people to check in with you regularly. You are not in this alone. We are all walking with you. Thanks for listening to Leading International School Teams podcast. Remember to like, share, and follow the list on Twitter and Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends. If you would like to reach out or comment or give feedback on the show, email me at michaelcalebernest at gmail.com. Until next time, keep leading.